Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. And we are entering the banter segment. Hey, hey. Welcome back. Uh. So, by this point, it should be fall, and hopefully your weather is changing and you are getting to wear all of the fun clothes. Oh, bite me, fanboy. I'm freezing my butt off. <laughs> I've got corduroy, no, not- I've got tweed, I've got the fun parts, the boots are coming back out. I got flannel. I have flannel and a lot, a lot of blankets. I have actually, um, I'm still wearing shorts. But you're also you and a little bit weird. Well, I mean, it was almost 70 today. Yeah, so, we, we were getting we at 60. We were getting close to 70 today, but uh, we, we did kind of go from 90 to 50 in the span of oh, one day. Two, yeah, a day and a half. Yeah, <laughs> if we were lucky. Oi, it was it wasn't right. It just not right. So can anyone tell who's the winter person here? Oh, I love winter. I, I hate just you both. I just can't have it because I live in Tennessee and. They don't really have winter here. Yeah, it just gets a little bit more wet and dankish, right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, if we're really lucky, we'll hit freezing a couple of times. Uh, I, I just, I, <laughs> I, I've, it, it's gotten bad in the DC area that I actually had my pipes freeze a couple wow. of times. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew exactly where it was because we didn't have really good uh, insulation on one side of the house. So oh. I would turn, I had a space heater in the bathroom on the downstairs because that's right where the pipe was free. That's the only thing that would ever freeze. freeze so. Yeah. so we had a space heater going on in there. So, you know, I, we have two bathrooms upstairs, so not too bad, but it was just one of those, okay, as long as they don't break. Yeah. As long as you can keep any water flowing in them, you're okay. Yeah. I mean, we got so, Ty back on that side of the house now, so here's that hoping. Helps. Yeah. That'll help. Yep, yep. So. And uh, I spent way too much money on uh, Japanese candies and sweets. <laughs> they had Halloween sales. What do you want me to do? No, no. I understand. But uh, so, goodness. It's been a crazy... Well, you've been gone for a little while. 
jewels. Uh-huh. And and so last, I have, I have no idea what is going on. I last in it. time, Gardemanger and myself were uh, flying solo, and then we also got for those. I mean, now it'll be old news, but for us, we actually have a Patreon episode that is up. So if you pledge into that Patreon at any amount. We just want to see your name show up on our Patreon. You get access to Zen and I having an extended conversation in which I prove that I am right. Please tell me it wasn't about Street Fighter or nope. or something other. Or, or, or God, what is it? Uh, yes. Starship Troopers or some other bullshit? No, Starship Troopers, <laughs> that is not – that is that – is, Myself and Null are no, having no, that debate. No, it's just no. But I, I always know you two always kind of kvetch at each other in a fun and playful way. But yeah, it's yeah. Sorry, it's, I got I got sick because I got a flu shot, yeah. and it wasn't because of the flu shot. I got sick because some when I went to get my flu shot, someone else at the doctor's office had a really horrible chest and chest cold. Oh, so and I know. I, I know my reaction to a flu shot. I get a little bit achy. I get a little bit feverish. But it lasts maybe about six to eight hours, and it kicks in maybe about a day after I get the shot. So that's what I thought it was. And then all up in my chest. So oh. it wasn't the flu shot itself. Go get your flu shots, people, if you if you are medically allowed to get them. But no, because some yeah, Don't be like had, me. Well, I got. I have to get it. You know, but oh my god, it is just like so. That's kind of why it. That's kind of why I couldn't record because, yeah, you couldn't barely talk. <laughs> no, I could talk, but it was through hacking, coughing voice sounds where I sounded like a, you know, when you think your dog is trying to speak to you and you they're almost yeah. speaking words. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where uh, Null is this week. He got some kind of nasty flu thing while he was in uh, North Carolina. Well, it's North Carolina. And he's still recovering from it. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he, he, we got the text and I was just like, dude, just rest. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, terrible. Yeah, it does suck, but. Yeah, so, uh, and then there's, yeah. (laughs) But. I am I am officially going to announce it now. I have been hinting around that something big was coming in the show. You're pregnant? <laughs> I am uh, well no. <laughs> Come I, I'm on. trying to find a, a diplomatic way to say that I've got a butt baby, but no, there, there's no good way. <laughs> so we won't go there. Oh wait, I just went there. Yes, you did. <laughs> So, so what, sorry, I, I didn't, I'm not wrecking it, but so what's this awesome news, dude? Okay, so, the show has been chugging right along, we've been doing really good, and with our recording schedule, we only get to do, now, a show every other week. And I have been itching to run a game that was long-form and local where I could sit down with people and record it for the show. 
And I finally got a group together. Who's taking odds on one of them spontaneously combusts? Don't, don't, no. I, I've, I spent almost three weeks trying to put this group together. <laughs> no, but I, I'm, I mean it, though. We're coming around Halloween, and there's a lot of weird substances out there. So, but one of them's going to spontaneously combust, then reform. It's Halloween. Weird shit happens. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so it, it was a little, little crazy, um, and I was hoping to announce it last episode, but uh, I, I teased that we were working on this, but I actually have the group now. And in two weeks, Sunday... So this will be in November. We're going to sit down as a group and I'm going to actually start recording everything from the pitch session of the game all the way through. So the the pitch session for the adventure campaign, uh, the pitch for the characters that the players want to play, um, the session zero where everybody kind of coalesces and on so it's going to start from from the very very beginning like we've always talked about like you know you need a chess you need a session zero you need to do you know like pitch sessions for what to play and we talk about it and so i'm going to do it so that people can see what it's like and that's really important for new groups and changing groups. If you've got the same mm-hmm. group that you've had for years, or if you're extremely lucky and somehow uh, the perils of adulting and moving across the country have not broken up your original group of youth, yeah, you, you know each other well enough. But that's going to be a really fun and exciting thing, and we're going to see it what, every other week, kind of offset with the main shows in the feed zone. Yeah, that's that's the hope. Um, it'll probably won't start dropping until after the first of the year. I want to have a, a a bit of recording done before I start dropping those, which is a great plan. And looking so. back now. <laughs> Looking back now, we know that we just finished October, and we always like to have at least one horror episode here on Seize the GM because you two are crazy, and so we wanted to make sure we covered that today. Crazy. You you say that like it's something, well, unexpected. (laughs) No, it's not unexpected. It's us. Perhaps just terrifying, frightening, horrific even. Now, now... This is a little bit different take than what we would normally do, because normally what we would be is all like, you know, how make that horror game, make that horror game, make that horror game. And what we're actually going to talk about today is how to do just that, (laughs) how to take like horror themes and ideas and pull them into what would normally not necessarily be a horror game. So this is basically how do you work in a Halloween special to your ongoing campaign? If you want to hear more about (laughs) our original thoughts of horror, 
go back and check episodes 34, 35, 36, and 37, where we did a whole month of horror last year. But t- yeah. today, we're going to talk about... <laughs> wow. Oh, you poor, poor, sweet summer children. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what you're allowing. Uh, how to incorporate themes and which particular horror themes work best in these other ongoing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll put in also a little caveat. Um, sometimes a, a, a certain type of horror that would work good in a, you know, okay, we haven't been playing together long. You know, we, we don't know each other very well. Certain types of horror will not work in that, but if you've been playing for a couple months and it's a, it will. So it, it's not just the genre, but it's also how long you've been playing your familiarity with the genre itself will allow you to pull in different types. So just be aware you none of these are locked in and, uh, you know, play around with it, have fun. But we'll start with what may be the most common and widespread type of game, and that's fantasy. Or, well, no. Oh. <laughs> fantasy, yeah. So what what do you need to do to kind of help encourage horror or set up kind of a horror game for a fantasy campaign? Now, first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to reference another episode. Go check episode 61 about house rules, because resource restriction and isolation are really strong ways in fantasy to inject elements of horror. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other thing, if you, it depends also if you're wanted doing, if you're trying to do like spoopy or something like that, but if you want to unnerve your players, um, okay. Cause in a fantasy setting, there's always a monster. There's always, you know, some kind of deep, dark evil. There's always, Something like that. And um, I'm actually going to pull a, uh, if you really want to scare the, if you want to disturb your players, I'm not talking like, you know, jump scare. If any of you guys have seen Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and what Shao Tucker did, where you have a NPC that you love and everything's wonderful and then you find they have done something so horrific and un- immoral and monstrous where you actually get to see a monster in humanoid clothing. What it is when a person or elf or dwarf, whatever that it is, is a monster where the monstrosity isn't, you know, a big bad dragon. It's the cleric over there that's been selling children into slavery. That kind of stuff. Well, and that also plays into one of the other types of games that we're talking about in a couple of minutes. And yeah. the ideas that horror itself, we've talked about different styles, which is part of why I said go back and listen to some of those other ones. But one of the things yeah. I like in especially a one-off fantasy horror setting game is that uh, restricted movement in kind of the quintessential tabletop RPG horror setting, which probably Ravenloft yep. – Yep. You don't oh, the mist. Ha- yeah, you or don't have their stuff not work. Yeah. You know, they could be in in a forest they've been in a thousand times, but now their maps being read wrong. They can't activate their magical items. 
Healing potions taste like vinegar and do nothing. For whatever reason, mm -hmm. impose that on your players and shake them up because horror has that break of familiarity as a big component to it. And fantasy always is is usually, usually, I'm not saying all of it, but as a general thumb, there's also this kind of innate power fantasy that goes along with a lot of the fantasy games. So what you can do is in the middle of something that is supposed to be powerful, you put them in a, in a very disempowering where they're weak as a kitten. You know, it, it and then they'll have to think it's like, why isn't this working? And it's it's it it. it really freaks out there's also another thing that you can do with this and that is take and take the thing that they know like okay we're in this forest and there's supposed to be hobgoblins in this forest don't make any of them hobgoblins make them something else make them something that they don't know what what it is even if all you're doing is renaming it but using the same stats. Yeah, you can you describe can it differently. Change it enough that it is horrific from what they were expecting. Yeah. It could and the thing is it could be you're using a hobgoblin, but they've been corrupted by chaos magic, which warped their appearance, but all their other abilities are the same, but they look so weird and they sound so different. Yeah. And you have to do nothing in yeah. uh, in drawing up stats or something like that. And that's that's an easy one to do is mm -hmm. just reskin it basically, and just describe it differently. I mean, that's description. This is going to be one of the things that you're going to have to remember doing horror themes is description is key. In one of two ways, and we'll get to that. Yes, we'll get yes. to that in one of the future ones that we're talking about today. But when you're describing it. One of the real strengths for when you can be florid and when you can be extremely flowery, I think, is when you implement it in a heroic setting, a super heroic setting in particular. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yes. The easy way, okay, the easy way to add horror in a super heroic setting is because there's a super mage. There's almost always some magic using spell casting member of the super heroic team or universe you're in, be it existing or your own making. How many of you don't have some kind of a mage? Yep. That's an easy way to pull in some of that chthonic horror, some of that concept of you know the horrors before time and the unspeakable things that may well be the source of magic. Yeah. Now, yeah, I was going to say, because like, you know, Dr. Fate is always fighting one of the demon lords in DC, and you've also got... In Marvel, you've got you got Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange and Dormammu. You've yeah. got uh, God Thanos. You've got uh, you've got you've got other options. Every oh, every yeah. world, pretty much every comic book world has some kind of Entity. magical person that's messing with things. <laughs> Well, and mechanically, this is one of the easiest ways to mess with players. We talked about you know how the descriptions will mess with them previously. But here, one of the other things is you can use some of the more, well, exotic powers. Uh, in the hero system, 
an example is this is a prime time to pull out uh, transforms or AVLDs, attacks versus limited defenses. These attacks that kind of bypass normal defenses with these really awkward kind of odd special effects that puts them off their game. And so when you say it touches you and you feel reality ripple, you feel yourself pulled slightly outside of the world you're used to and see only the screaming mouths that are inside its head, clatter, clatter, apply 32 stun against your power defense. My what? Mm -hmm. Because that's a way that also you simulate that whole out-of-control component where most heroes can take a punch, they can't take a spell. Yeah. Yep. And the thing is also, something else you might want to do is, and I'm thinking not taking superheroes, but I'm thinking kind of also mutant and masterminds kind of a thing here, is you, uh, for you know, certain powers that aren't, I'm not going to say magic-y magic, but do kind of have a a magical feel, but it's not like based in magic. I'm talking, you know, like stretch, like stretching or something like that. Have them go haywire, but not in the, Oh, you know, the, the, the standard superhero, I can't control it. Have it in very, very small and subtle ways. Oh, you, you know? know, it's a great, it's one. like the, it's a hero with super strength closes the door and he accidentally, you don't realize it, but oh yeah, he's he's shifted the beam and he walks out and then everything collapses behind him. And there's you don't see any nefarious things because it wasn't like a supervillain doing it. Yeah, people um, start to lose control of their powers. I guess is a good way to describe that. If if you've ever read Cloak and Dagger <laughs> from Marvel, <laughs> because Cloak he he cannot control this dark force. I mean, it's constrained within his cloak. But it can still reach out and grab things and pull them in. Uh-huh. And I love Cloak and Dagger. That the the new TV show, like, is like you see the tendrils of the of the Dark Force like rippling off of him. And it's not doing anything, but it looks like it will. I have heard such it, good things mm-hmm. about that, and I have not seen it yet. It is worth yeah. the watch. It, it's, and, and it adds those horror elements yeah, in a very not horrific game yeah, uh, world. That's, that's true. Because the thing about it, it's you're always going to imagine something a heck of a lot worse than what reality or your game world is. Like every player can scare themselves better than you ever will. All you have well, to do is like you don't have, the, you have this to see what it is. A, this actually applies a lot to another type of game that we're going to talk about, which is those espionage games. Oh, spy games? Yeah, because they're usually lower powered. So the less you say, the more you let their minds run. Because those are, those are generally speaking, not these high brow, high idea concept games. They're a different type of game. Mm -hmm. And, while espionage games are generally considered lower power because it's just regular people. But what if there's something, you know, I mean, yeah, science can do really cool things. And there is that element of horror with science, 
mm-hmm. but if you don't quite explain it all. Some of the very first season of The X-Files was a really good example of this. And yeah. one of the other things I like about uh, an espionage or other modern game in with a horror takeoff happened a lot in early X-Files as well, where there was a lot of just the the horror of humans it was the example yes. of the non-supernatural horror uh scientists that have gone too far cults corrupting local towns uh, just the banality of bureaucratic evil sort of stories that can evoke the same kind of catharsis and chill without overt supernatural components do you know what else there was another one that was an amazing show for that Millennium Twin Peaks. Well, Twin Peaks is its own thing, and we should have a, a Patreon episode <laughs> just about Twin Peaks. Oh, we should. I will but, make. Yeah. I'll have pie and coffee. That one was a little, a little overdone in the drawing kind of department. But it was. It was done to the thing is the technique was good, but it was. I think it was a little overdone. But the, it's the five degrees off normal thing that I usually speak about. Yeah. But if the thing is like if it's as soon as yeah, that's true. <laughs> So. But the other thing you can do is like, especially in an, I'll tell you in an espionage game and you don't, and here's the thing. Sometimes you don't even have to change that much. If you really want to start like kind of scaring your players, you can give them the same information, do it with a very, it's this. And I'm saying this works usually in, in like, uh, uh, cyberpunk sci-fi. Uh, but you do, if you really want to freak them out, Say what you're saying with a very sweet tone and a big smile. Keep eye contact with the players while you're delivering it and keep smiling, but don't say anything after, after you're done, unless they're asking a direct question, but respond in a, in a very upbeat voice, describing something extremely horrible or interesting or what just smile. Like you're telling them you're, you're singing that you are my sunshine. Yeah. Just get that facial expression with a big smile, but that we like wait what well and this segues perfectly in how we use sci-fi and, and what we can do in a science fiction game or a cyberpunk game to evoke horror now i think cyberpunk especially uh, has all sorts of potential horror tropes uh, especially oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what well, body horror and inhumanity it could be an ai instead of a ghost but the ai doesn't look at you the same way you would look at someone else. And I, I think I put in the notes, uh, Alice from the resident evil movies as an AI is an example of a way to use, you know, a cyberpunk or sci-fi trope in a horror method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is usually when a, a lot of the sci-fi and cyberpunk games out there are not, they're gritty. They're, they are, they're the dark side. They're, they're, they're in the alleys where the monsters usually are anyway. So, you know, well, they're used, but they they're can used be. to see it. Because there's, but the thing is, like, there's that's a couple the of world. other places that horror dwells, and it does such a good job. And that is off of this, this fun gravity well that we live on. And Sp- what's out there? And that's where I think the biggest strength of not describing what's yeah. happening is effective. Uh, yeah. The more expansive science fiction 
the literally in space components. Mm-hmm. I think benefit from a less is more because yes, because it's so built around science in a lot of ways because it is as a science fiction game about the triumph of technology of science of understanding telling them they don't understand and they can't explain it should evoke more horror there than it would in a fantasy game yeah that is true think of something like event horizon (laughs) i had a perfectly fine scientific explanation for that movie up to the one scene you know what i'm talking about what yeah. scene? Wait, which one? Event Horizon. No, I know that, but which scene are you talking about? The river. Oh, that one. I had a scientific, completely fine explanation that kept me grounded to that point. At that point, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But that's the that's the thing. Like it it goes along, and it's it is it's laying this groundwork that there's something not right. And Things th- don't quite match up correctly, and they can't quite figure it out until it happens. And space naturally builds in some of that resource restriction and isolation components that heighten horror. Yeah. It naturally builds in, like Jules was saying, the the less is more component of not knowing what's around the corner or just outside your scanner range. It builds in the immediacy of some of these settings. Part of why Alien was so effective was the constraints in oh, the cinematography. Just a single ship, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how they shot it, creating that intimacy, creating that closeness, was far more terrifying than if you ever saw some of the test shots of the full view of the xenomorph and its movements. It, yeah, it, honestly, one of the best one of the best scenes in that first movie was the first time you see something happen. The first truly horrific element of when it, and, and, you know, if you haven't already seen this movie, you're about 30 years behind the curve. So I don't feel bad about spoiling it, but the first time you see a chest burster, I mean, it's something very normal. Everybody hanging around, this group of people that are close and they're having something very normal like dinner mm-hmm. and then just boom, <laughs> left turn Clyde, you know? Yep. And here's the thing. And I know it's that the restriction that you were talking about. And when you'll see this, if you've played horror games like silent Hill, or you did the PT trailer or something like that, the fog, the tight turns, it restricted what you could see. The fog in Silent Hill, too. You could only see a little bit in front of you, so you didn't know exactly what you were going into. It's that restricted, intentional field of view. Because, you know, and you see it. And that's why certain games like, like Fatal Frame or, you know, or PT give you that it's like what's around the corner i can't see it you can't sense it something's interfering with the sensors and it's just and you realize there's only a little bit of metal between you and the vacuum of space yeah, yeah. you know it's great <laughs> tell me about it so but the, yeah this is i mean we we hit four 
of the the big kind of types of games that are not intentionally horror games. Yeah. And and this is how you can pull some of those elements in for where, where some of them play better than others. Now, if you have an awesome idea for a superhero game that is like much closer to like these science fiction games that we're talking about, like this, this, evil from between the stars that, you know, nobody understands. Well, just have it show up. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't mix these up. The best We're just mm-hmm. telling you the easy ways to do it. The best thing that you can do is tell us your favorite Halloween-themed horror special episode or special scene you did in your home game. In the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash seize the GM or tell us on our Twitters and Instagrams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the here's the other thing I'll bring up is if you want to do something hard, if you guys have been playing together for a while, first thing, you change it just a little bit. Okay. You keep almost everything you saying, you change it so everyone's just feeling it's not quite right. But if you've got a new group, sometimes it's going against standard expected social norms. Like I'll put it this way. When, it, when anyone gets in an elevator, usually you try and spread out as much as possible. Next time, it's like, all right, stand a little closer. Don't stand out. And you're going to see the other person look visibly like, wait a minute, that's not right. Yeah. It's that little thing just... Small things, because yes, telling this creepy story, bringing in something unexpected. But if you want to keep that atmosphere, if you want to keep that atmosphere going to make sure that they they don't become complacent and oh, this is creepy, use outside little psychological things yeah. just to keep your players to not, tweak them. Yeah, well, and like yeah. you don't want to make them super uncomfortable, but you want to you just make them feel like. You know, like when you put a sock on upside down, you got the heel on the top of the foot. You can still wear the sock. You're still fine, but it feels a little weird. Yeah. And we talked about some of those in last year's episode. So go back and check those. Uh, I believe I said 37, 36, 35, and 34 earlier. Somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. So I think we should go ahead and roll on into our next segment. Woo. What? I'm excited. (laughs) All right, here we go. And now we enter Stat Blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. All right. Always that anticipation. Jules, go. I hate you. (laughs) All right. All right, today I have Akasha. Akasha, the name spoke barely above a whisper. Her name is synonymous with oblivion. Akasha the cold, Akasha the primordial, Akasha the unmaker. No one knows her true origins. There are rumors that ages and ages ago, she was once a sublime dancer and warrior whose hypnotic movements would immobilize a target before she took his head. Others say she is a rogue goddess, banished from paradise because the old gods feared her. No one knows for sure. 
but it is said in hushed tones that she once turned her own power on her past, obliterating it, thus severing any ties to the world of men and the realms of gods, erasing all of her prior existence, removing her thread of fate from the fabric of the world. And this is why she is feared. For what is it that defines a god? What is it that makes us human? The lives we live, the deeds we do. It is the past that shapes the future. Akasha has none of this. Her memories unmade, her past non-existence. She has never ex experienced existence and thus cannot understand it. Therefore, it has no value. She sees all of history, all memory, as extraneous. For our life lived can be weighty. The past can be a heavy burden, and memories can suffocate a man. So out of a very strange sense of benevolence, she seeks to ease our burden, eliminate our history, leaving us to drift aimlessly through a universe in which we never existed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's next? I'll go. All right. Dead in the water. It's a deep feeling of dread that takes over you. The rolling and dank cloud of mist and fog envelops you and your entire ship. It's a feeling you've not felt before. As every breath you take, each breath of life that you draw in sucks your life force back out. You are dead in the water, as the very hunger of the sea claims your life. It's been around for so long that the maps will even track the patterns of this bank of fog's movement. They're sold in almost every port. Its very existence is known and feared. Its origin, though, well, that is lost to time. Lost to the depths of the very tears that make up the sea. Only a great sadness and loss can fill the basin of the world. And only your sacrifice on the waters will ever bring that sacrifice to a close. Well done. Well, I'm not going to take any credit for that. <laughs> because all I had was, I'm dead in the water because I got nothing. <laughs> you gave me 30 seconds to come up with something. I know. And it was, uh, it was good. I, I, I channeled my inner Zen and tried to fit it in with some of the other world building you've had before. That is, uh, that's very good. I'm going to have to use this. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks, great We're monsters, great artists create amazing hacks rip off from everyone. <laughs> Damn Skippy. All right, go to Moshe. Go ahead. Bite underscore me underscore fanboy dot CSV. <laughs> great. Another spreadsheet in the old email. Another excuse to make charts and tables for some meeting you'll never be invited to attend. Another chance to actually dig into the bits and pieces of the job, but never get the credit. Well, this is different. 
Somebody has a sense of humor with Bite Me Fanboy as the file name? I don't know about this. Well, it's from Chad down in Accounts Receivable. I mean, it ought to be fine. I don't know. Maybe he got that new girlfriend of his to put it together, and I don't know. He hasn't realized that that's kind of a joke at his expense. I'll go ahead and open it. No, but, whoa, wait, hey. All right, I'm going to have to call IT. No, no, really, there was a window that was opening and closing almost too fast. Probably just a phishing attack embedded in the program. You're sure? Clean bill of health? Hmm. The computer's clean, the system's fine. That's weird. It's even weirder a week later when Chad asks me to help with the presentation. And actually go with him to, to give it to middle management? I mean, things are going great. Chad's been friendly, and then the bosses like this work. I mean, the bank even found an error in my favor and paid me back for overcharging my account for two years. I mean, okay, so Chad did kind of slip up and got in hot water with HR and broke up with his girlfriend, but I mean, I wasn't there. It's not my fault. It's not my fault Chad's ex came into my life either. I mean, I was getting coffee one morning, and then she took a, a trip, and I caught her, but the coffee spilled all over my jacket. And she insisted on getting my number and paying for the dry cleaning. How could I say no? And she was enticing. Long black hair, tightly pulled in a ponytail like it was slick to her head. Those sparkling green eyes just drew me in. A quick beer, a quick bite, it's kind of turning into something more. I mean, her love of water and swimming is, is just so, so enticing. Like that accent. Where did she say that was that she was from? Greece? And what are those tidal pools over there on the beach? <laughs> oh. <gasps> well done. That is slick. I like it. Funny. <laughs> Hey, you can have as a people call spreadsheets songs and art these days. That was good, man. <laughs> that was very good. Ah, that was <laughs> I liked that. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna give Zen nice. I was gonna give Zen a moment before we moved on since he, he's kind of in charge of the next segment. It's true. So let's go ahead and flip on over. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. All right, what are you going to teach us tonight? Okay, it's actually not that bad of a word. I never said it was bad. (laughs) Liniment? Liniment. (laughs) I still have horrible flashbacks and I blame my grandma. (laughs) I love it. Go for it. Okay, so it is a healing a, self. A noun. Uh, it's a noun, and there's two definitions for it. There's an older version and a newer version. Uh, the older one is a liquid or semi-liquid preparation that is applied to the skin as an anodyne or a counter irritant, which is the older version. And the newer version is a liquid that is rubbed onto your skin to relieve pain or stiffness in your muscles. 
healing salve. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Oh God, it smells like eucalyptus. <laughs> and and ca- it always smells like eucalyptus. <laughs> and in case you didn't know, Anodyne was the name that Madeline Pryor used in the Alpha Flight X Men crossover when she was briefly given healing powers by Loki. Hmm. Very nice. So, history and etymology. It's Middle English from Late Latin, from Latin, which is uh, linary, which is to smear. So, yeah, basically to smear something on you. <laughs> and it's first, works. And its first known use is the 15th century. And its popularity is actually in the bottom 40% of words. So. Probably because of all that history. Because usually with liniment, it's always smelled weird and like old people. Yeah. Uh, Also, if you deal with uh, like horses or uh, big work animals, you'll Mm. also use liniments. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah, so you can use that, like, in a game, like, instead of, oh, you put the the healing, you know, you, like, you rub this weird stuff on it. Well, you can actually name it for what it actually is. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a more runny salve. Lucy's Lanai of Liniments is here for all your liniment needs. <laughs> uh, quit saying liniment. You're giving me horrible flashbacks. All right. Well, then, if you if you're getting horrible flashbacks, go ahead and uh, what do you got for us for our closing remarks? All right. Well, we were talking uh, horror stuffs, and I came across probably one of the coolest animes, uh, and it is it's called Gegege no Kitaro, or like creepy or scary boy Kitaro, and it's one. It's on Crunch, and it's awesome. And it goes about all, it's stories about all these like Jap- Japanese yokai, kind of like monsters, monsters and spirits kind of mashed up. And it's great stories. You, they're, I'll be honest, Ghost Train is one of my favorite ones that they do on there. And there's also a Tanuki Mafia, which is hilarious. And they are on pin, and pinstripe suits, it's adorable. But, um, but, what really captured me is there's actually a lot of interesting social commentary built into it. And the very first episode, the, the amount of shit, the pretty much what they did. Um, uh, it's like, wow, that's a, okay. They, they pretty much pulled kind of like a, a throwing shade at Logan Paul, <laughs> which may, it's like, I fell in love with it. I'm like, Oh my God. You know? it's so, that's in the first episode, but it's, it's really interesting. Cause you learn about like the, the monster kind of spirit monsters kind of thing of, of Japan, but it's amazing. And, and there's good creepy bits, but it's entertaining. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I binged it until I, well, after I got home from work and then I fell asleep, I'm like, I gotta go watch it again. So I really recommend it, and it's it's a lot of fun, and the animation is good, and yeah, you know, but there is a lot of interesting the way that they are actually able to address a bunch of like human condition issues, you know, overworking, never seeing family, treating 
other people's, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So if you got a Crunchyroll account, you know, everyone's thinking, do Helsing, do Drifters, do something like that. Nah. This, this has, you know, these are like fairy tale monsters kind of thing. They're, and it's, yeah, it's delightful. Yeah. It is delightful. I, I recommend uh, it. Yeah. I actually listened to it. It's really funny that that is what you uh, chose because just recently I was listening to a show on uh, Monster Talk which is a skeptical monster show. Mm-hmm. And they were actually talking about Uri on the show that like dropped yesterday. Very like, cool. The actual, like, like the myth behind them and how they, yeah, like the, that was exactly what they were talking about in the show. So it was really you know, cool. It's Yeah. And the thing is the, you know, the names of the yokai, and you don't—you can actually, you know, Wayne Yudo, which is a—it's uh, a wheel from a carriage crash, and it goes around and sucks your soul out. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a—it's a wheel wreathed in flames. So it's like, oh my gosh, weird. But one, it's—and because I—I th- I think most of us uh, are, you know, from the United States or or Canada, it is. Some of these things are kind of creepy because it's not part of our shared cultural experience. So it makes it even a little bit more off-putting with some of these uh, yokai. I enjoyed it. (laughs) So, uh, Gardemanger, you go next. All right. I'm going to keep up with some of our horror themes and and implementing horror in unexpected ways and recommend that you somehow go find and track down a copy of The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. You see, not only is this a Hammer film Dracula movie, They crossed it with martial arts and teamed up with the legendary Shaw Brothers production house. What? It was a critical flop. It was horrible. But it is Hammer Films and Shaw Brothers making a martial arts horror movie set in China with Dracula. If you can find a copy, I commend unto you the legend of the seven golden vampires. I have to find this. I gotta watch this. Get out of my head. <laughs> I must find this. Oh my. Wait, okay. Well, this is me, and I'm pretty good at finding. I was able to find. Uh, oh, God. I was able to find the movie Blood Sucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh. I think I could find this. I don't know. Can you find a, co- a, a, a non VHS copy of Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter? I own one. Oh. <gasps> Well, I owned it was stolen, but yes. Oh. Don't worry, I can, I'll see if I can still, you know, get my hands on a copy. It's so good, and it's so bad, and <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah, it's Schlocktober. Yeah. Well, I gotta find this movie. I have. Damn you! Um, a actual it it's a it's an author. His name is Paul E. Cooley. And he does horror things. And it is really, really cool. The The current one that he's just started is the third part in a trilogy. And it is deep space 
and uh, military horror. Like something, a ship that uh, the world had sent out of the solar system comes back. And it wasn't on like an FTL drive or it hit an event horizon. It just, it went out into interstellar space. And it had disappeared. They lost contact with it after about a month. It comes back and these guys, and it's just dead, floating. And when they find it, that's where the fun starts. And it's actually really, really cool. But he does lots of other things, too. So if you don't really like that, he's also got some other uh, styles of, of like modern horror. And they're, they're really good. So check him out. So, And then I have a last one. Because this episode is going to drop the day after Halloween. And while... We here at Seize the GM try to keep things on a flat, even keel when it comes to politics. It will be one week from the the date of the election. So please go out and vote if you are legally mm-hmm. of age to vote. Don't don't try to do it if you're not. It, I mean, you can probably go to your library and they'll let you do like a weird kitty vote. But if you can legally vote, please go out and vote. Look, it's a midterm election. Usually turnout is down. Show up and you vote. You get an I voted sticker and then you can go to Starbucks for a free coffee. If you have uh, one of those around you. I have a Starbucks across not the street from Starbucks. Does. I I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's where you live, hon. <laughs> so, um I guess until next time, folks. Keep it cool and definitely keep it horrific. Roll some dice. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> I always I always keep it creepy so <laughs> just keep it together okay okay you can contact us or the show using twitter facebook or plain old email our twitter accounts are at zendead at jules podcaster and at 2050 guard and the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Seize the GM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at SeizeTheGM.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Seize the GM podcast, and we thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. 
Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.